We try to play with great pace. We try to play with great pace. Ran a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop uh, type actions. Oh, you'll see us play. Some people look at the guy next to him and say, what the hell was that shot? Hell, I could have been Gronk before Gronk was Gronk. Welcome back to another edition of Bangerangs and Daggers. I am your host, Patrick Gerhardt. And tonight we have special guest Thomas Bendit from BT Powerhouse, the number one Big Ten blog on SB Nation uh, in the SB Nation universe. Thomas, happy Scott Frost Day. Happy Scott Frost Day. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we we definitely like to think of ourselves as as the best uh, Big Ten basketball blog out there. So thanks for having us. Now, Thomas, how how long have you been doing BT Powerhouse? What got you involved in that? Uh, it's geez, it's we're probably going on a decade now. Uh, pretty close. Um, I started blogging. I have a, a Michigan background, so I started. Uh, blogging about, you know, Michigan football, Michigan basketball, stuff like that, and sort of fell into it. And uh, it's had a lot of fun along the ways, uh, gotten, you know, fortunate enough to have seen a lot of great players and, and coaches throughout the years. So, um, and and some new teams, including Nebraska, joined the conference. So it's been a lot of fun. So your, your background's Michigan. So <clears throat> you must have a lot of fun with the co-host of Bang Rains and Daggers and one of your writers, uh, Kevin Knight, I take it. Uh, we do. We do. Kevin, he, he does a little work for us as well uh, over at uh, BT Powerhouse, um, a very diehard uh, Spartan fan. So it's uh, uh, we got to have a good back and forth this week. We'll, we'll probably be a little tense, but <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good. oh, yeah, this will be fun with uh, Big Noon Saturday and College Game Day in East Lansing. So that should be hopefully it's a good game, but that's football and we're here to talk basketball. Fair so, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, so you're kind of the go-to guy in SB Nation when it comes to Big Ten basketball. Give us kind of a rundown of what happened at the end of last year, and kind of some of the things that happened that are are pretty much going to change how we're going to look at this year's Big Ten teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say last year. Um, you know, certainly I, I don't think we can discuss last season without mentioning the elephant in the room, which was the COVID precautions and the stoppages. And it, it was just kind of a mess from, from start to finish. Um, no fans in, in any Big Ten arenas uh, during all of last season. That is going to change. I, I think everybody's at full capacity this season, which is certainly a welcome uh, return to normalcy. Uh, so I think that's going to be the biggest change in, in terms of just uh, gameplay itself. Uh, as far as on the court, um, the Big Ten had a, a fantastic regular season. Um, a number of teams in, in serious national title contention, including Michigan, Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Ohio State, um, got to the postseason. I'd, I'd say the performance in the NCAA tournament was a little underwhelming given the strength of the conference. Um, nobody ended up making it to the Final Four. Michigan uh, was the closest uh, in the Big Ten. They got within a bucket, but fell short against UCLA. Um, the Wolverines were a little shorthanded without Isaiah Livers, um, but the Bruins pulled off the upset um, and then had, uh, not to get off track, but a fantastic game against Gonzaga in the Final Four, probably one of the all-timers uh, there. But 
a pretty big exodus. And I think that that's a consistent theme, not only in the Big Ten, but college basketball and college sports this offseason, which is just transfers galore, exits galore, uh, these weird COVID extra eligibility seasons. It's kind of created a, a pretty big uh, backlog and scholarship crunch. Um, it's almost it, I'm doing these previews for the Big Ten teams. You know, we're, we're through a handful of the, of the league so far, and it is really difficult. It's like, is this guy a redshirt junior or a sophomore? Or it's it's kind of a mess. I think we're all going to have to get used to it for a year or two. But, um, yeah, so a lot of turnover across the league. Um, coming into this season, you know, there there are still some big expectations. Ken Palm, um, you know, everybody's favorite college basketball advanced stats site, Rates the Big Ten as the strongest conference coming into the season, narrowly against, not against, above the Big 12. Um, the the top-rated teams are going to be Michigan, Illinois, Purdue, Ohio State. I think those are the favorites. I, Maryland might end up in the picture, depending on how some of the, the new guys work out. Um, in terms of familiar faces, I, I think most Nebraska fans and, and Big Ten across the board, Purdue is going to look a lot like they did last year. Um, but the rest of the top teams are, are probably going to look uh, a lot different. There's a lot of new guys coming in, um, a few new coaches, which I think we had gone a couple years without any head coaching turnover that changed this off season. Um, I, I believe there were two or excuse me, there were three uh, head coaches fired um, or resigned or however you want to call it. Um, so a new, a few new head coaches um, and setting up to be another fun season. In terms of the teams that will be top this year, you mentioned Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State. What really stands out on these – or what or who really stands out on these teams that are going to make them the top of the conference? So I, I think when you, when you talk about Michigan and Illinois, they're both going to be led by their big men. Um, both of them were in NBA draft talks, decided to come back, and that's Hunter Dickinson for Michigan, Kofi Cookburn for Illinois – two absolutely dominant big men, some of the best players in the Big Ten last season and the country. I expect them to be just as good, if not better, this year, um, especially Dickinson. He was only a freshman last season, so you would think that he will have some uh, notable improvement in his game. And then Ohio, Ohio State, uh, really solid offense um, under Chris Holtman. Um, E.J. Liddell, he's going to be back up front. They're going to have a, a mixture they actually have uh, a Penn State guard transferring over. So that's a little interesting. We've had a few interconference uh, transfers this offseason, which I, I suppose we're going to have to get used to as the transfer rules change um, and things will become uh, a little more regular. Uh, but Jamari Wheeler, he, he's the Penn State guard that will be over at Ohio State. Um, so I, I think Ohio State, it's going to be the offense for Michigan. I think it's going to be Hunter Dickinson is going to be the main guy. Uh, moving things around, and then Illinois, the same with Cokeburn. The two big question marks for Michigan and Illinois, in my eyes, uh, Devontae Jones, he's a transfer for Michigan. He'll be playing point guard. Um, he's one of those guys that may not arrive with an immense amount of hype, but is getting pretty strong talk around Ann Arbor. And a lot of people think he's an upgrade over Mike Smith, who was one of the best point guards in the Big Ten in the country last year. So if he can outperform that, you know, Michigan's going to be right back in the national title picture again. Um, Illinois, uh, Curbelo, who 
depending on who you talk to, he was one of the best guards in the Big Ten last year, or he was a really, really nice complimentary piece. Um, but a lot of eyes are going to be on him. He could be in store for a breakout season. Um, and then the other the other team I'd mention, too, as a, a contender is going to be Purdue, certainly. The Boilermakers, they're, they're sort of the status quo team. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I haven't done this analysis. Maybe I should, but I'm guessing they probably return more minutes and more points than anybody else in the Big Ten. It's going to be the same. Uh, Jaden Ivey, it's going to be Zach Eady down low, Travion Williams, all the same guys fans have, have watched the last couple of years. And um, all four of those teams, I think, are capable of, you know, one, two, three seeds in March. Um, I don't know if uh, Purdue and Ohio State will quite have the firepower to actually think about national title, um, but certainly Final Four, I think, is possible for all four of those. You mentioned at the beginning of this, you know, we've had some turnover in the conference when it comes to coaching. Uh, what, out of all those coaching hires, which ones do you think are good? Which ones do you think are not so good? Um, are we going to have any quick turnarounds for any of these teams? So uh, I, I got to I got to look. I think so. There have been three: uh, Indiana, Minnesota, and Penn State all had their coaching uh, turnovers. The interesting thing is Minnesota and Penn State, I feel like almost hired uh, the same guy. And I, I don't want to be insulting to either either guy, but I just mean they're both pretty young coaches, really no experience um, as head coaches, um, which which has seemed to become a trend uh, recently. You know, it used to be that programs would only hire coaches who or big 10 programs would only hire coaches that had already been a head coach and successful, you know, in the Mac or some lower level. It seems like there's been a, a return a little bit to the assistant coaching, but um, ranks. But I digress. Uh, both both of them come in. Unfortunately for Ben Johnson and Shrewsbury, they inherit like nothing. Uh, both of them had to like basically recreate <laughs> a roster from scratch. Um, Nebraska fans, I think, are familiar with this when Fred Hoiberg took over, um, where it's like your whole team's gone <laughs> in a couple weeks. And you got to figure it out. So I think Minnesota and Penn State are going to have some serious, serious growing pains this year. Um, Indiana, they hired Woodson, uh, who came in from the NBA. He used to coach, um, I want to say, uh, the Knicks at one point. Um, but NBA head coach had two stints. I mean, decades of NBA coaching. Um, he's certainly in the best position to succeed. Indiana has a pretty solid roster coming into this year. Some people think they're a top 25-ish type of team. I think they received some votes in the preseason. The biggest question, uh, questions for Indiana, first and foremost, um, the roster has some real issues, and specifically, they can't shoot worth a lick. Uh, nobody on the team has, has been a, a solid shooter uh, over the last couple of years. It's really just killed their offense and their performance in Big Ten plays. So can they fix that? And then Woodson, uh, Mike Woodson, can he coach at the college level? And I mean, basketball is basketball to a certain extent. You know, the skills are going to translate whatever level, you know, high school, college, uh, MBA. But running a college program is definitely different than working with 30-year-old professional players. Um, not that every MBA player is, you know, a, a perfect uh, Boy Scout or something, but I – that to me is a, is a big question, but Woodson is definitely set up to have uh, the most success out of the three this year. 
Will there be any surprises in, in regards to the teams or players out there? Are, are there any anybody out there that you're looking forward to seeing that we have not probably seen on, on the Big Ten courts before? Hmm. I think I think I'm I'm very intrigued to see Devontae Jones. He's a transfer coming into Michigan. Um, I think he has uh, hasn't gotten as much attention as some of the other new additions, but I'm I'm definitely excited to see him. Um, for uh, Maryland, they have a few transfers coming in. Uh, Fox Russell in the backcourt. Um, he's a guy who I, I think is going to be a, a consistent contributor. He's going to put up nice numbers. Uh, I'm, I have not figured out how to pronounce his name yet, so forgive me, but it's like Kudis Wahab in the front court for Maryland. Um, forgive me. He's, he's new to the conference. He hasn't played a game yet, but he, uh, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting name. So if anybody can help me out with that, I'd appreciate it. But he, he's probably going to start at center for Maryland. Um, I'm interested to see uh, how the Terps are going to look. I think it, it, the one team to me that strikes me as a little underrated coming into the season is Michigan State. Um, Tom Izzo has a long history of, delivering quality teams and last year they they were okay they got in as a, a first four team in the NCAA tournament but they seem due to to return back to more of the Tom Izzo level um they're they've gotten some top 25 consideration but they're unranked coming into the season I feel like they're going to be a top 25 team this year so I, I think they're a little underrated um so I yeah excited to see them and you know uh, on this pod, podcast as well, I should mention uh, McGoins, who I think will be a, a really nice player and scorer for Nebraska this season. No, that, that'd be great. And we will get into Nebraska here in a minute. <laughs> I do, you know, I think you've pretty much hit all the main points in regards to the Big Ten this year. Nationally, though, what do you think is going to happen nationally in college basketball? It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I, I really – you know, I, I know I'm a Big Ten guy and, you know, I'm sort of paid to pump the Big Ten to a certain extent. But uh, <laughs> um, I really do think some of these Big Ten teams are going to be in that national picture uh, when we get done. And, um, you know, there, there's a history. I mean, what has it been now? 20 years since a Big Ten team has won the national title. I know that's a streak that Big Ten fans are reminded of consistently. Um I think the Big Ten is going to have a few teams in the picture, but I do think Gonzaga is going to be the strongest team this year. They they were definitely in the picture last year. You know, Baylor just got really, really hot at the end of the year. So I, I think Gonzaga is, is going to be uh, the favorite for most of the season, if not all. Um, unfortunately, the, the disappointing thing for them is – you know, they, they play, they always play a great non-conference slate, but then they get to conference play and they sort of disappear for three months. So uh, get in your games of watching them early uh, before they disappear as we get to um, the end of December and January. Anybody out, uh, out East, you, you think we should keep an eye on any teams or anything like that? Well, I, I think the biggest storyline will certainly be Duke. Um, in what is alleged to be Coach K's final season with the program. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm always skeptical of these coaching retirement announcements. I mean, I don't remember when Bayheim announced he was retiring and, you know, that never happened. The Coach K one seems genuine. Um, the team, uh, the Blue Devils are, are projected 
uh, at least by Ken Palm as a top 10 team. So they, they seem to have the goods to compete. Um, Kentucky's another team that's, that's looking for a bounce back. Um, Duke and Kentucky both missing last year's NCAA tournament. So I think those are um, teams to watch out for. The other, the other team that maybe this is, maybe this is a hot take. I don't know nationally, but. I think UCLA is drastically overrated. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask yeah. you if UCLA was back or not. <laughs> so, because they were, I mean, they were a look, surprise last year. They were a surprise. Yeah, I mean, they if, went far. If, if, you look, if you look at their resume last year, they get in by the skin of their teeth into the NCAA tournament as a first four team. They lose in the opening round of the Pac-12 tournament. This is the type of team. They had a four-game losing streak coming into the NCAA tournament. And then they narrowly, narrowly get lucky to force Michigan State to overtime in the first four so they can sneak by the Spartans. And then they reel off win, four straight wins, make it to the final four, almost beat Gonzaga. Incredible run. Give them all the credit in the world. That was a great couple of weeks of basketball. I really do not think this team is going to hold up. Um, really, if you look, uh, Johnny Yuzang, who led them, during the NCAA tournament run was on fire. I mean, he turned from a nobody into a potential NBA player overnight. I, I just, I, I really don't feel like that can continue that route towards victory that they had in the NCAA tournament. I think they will be a solid team. I mean, they made the final four. They're getting a lot of attention in the preseason. They very much do feel like a team though, that is overrated. And as the season continues, I don't want to say they'll get exposed because I think that's the wrong word to use here, but I really don't think they're, they're going to be a top five team as people believe. Bruins still has some growing to do basically. And I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving in, uh, this is Nebraska basketball podcast. Let's talk about the Huskers from what little you've seen last year, uh, from what you've studied up on this year. Uh, this is probably you know, you can chuckle all you want. This is probably the best roster on paper that Nebraska's ever had. Between you got Bryce and Trey McGowan's, you've got Karan McPherson, uh, Kobe Webster, Latman. W- what do you see in this Husker team, and who do you like? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you mentioned the big hitters. Obviously, um, I really like the backcourt. I think this is going to be a a really fun team to watch. I should start with that. You know, sometimes. Uh, fun and big 10 basketball don't usually go together. Yeah. I was going to mention that usually it's all rough (laughs) and defense and et cetera, but I think this is going to be a fun team to watch. I think you're going to see some, some great guard play. I think you're going to see a lot of, uh, I don't know if I would say high scoring, but just a fun way of playing, running up and down the court, doing things like that. Um, some nice plays in transition. So I I think it's going to be fun, which I think for Nebraska fans is a start. Um, I don't think they have everything put together yet to actually contend at the top of the league. Mainly the front court to me looks a little so-so. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts as well. Um, but I, I like the backcourt a lot. Um, and, and the thing, the thing about the big 10, that's going to be really interesting this year is, um, and I, I think we talked about this for maybe a second or two before we, we jumped on, but the big 10 was ridiculously deep last year. And, you know, everybody says, well, you know, the big 10 is always good. It's there's always a lot of good teams, which is true. The big 10 is year in and year out one, one of, if not the strongest conferences in the country, 
but usually there are a couple body bags at the bottom of the league <laughs> that people can beat up on a little bit. And, you know, you get your get right game and then you get back to a challenging opponent. Last year, there were none. I mean, Minnesota was one of the worst teams in the Big Ten towards the end of the season. And they were in the top 25 at one point. They finished the year at Ken Palm 62nd. That is ridiculous for, you know, the team that is like supposed to be the weak body bag of the league. So this year, though, I do think there are going to be a couple teams that are going to be more of that body bag category where, um, you know, teams will be able to beat up on them. Specifically, Minnesota, Penn State, I think are going to have a really rough time. Um, and not to take shots at those teams, but I'm just struggling to see the, uh, the roster, how that's going to work out. Um, which I think will be welcome for a team like Nebraska, who's trying to get its feet under it, trying to get some of these young players good playing time, to have some games that are more of the winnable category rather than, all right, five straight games against top 25 teams. Um, I don't think that will happen as much this year. You're still going to have you know, the, the six or seven teams that are going to be really, really good. But Nebraska, great home court advantage, particularly when the team's you know, playing well. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see how they're going to do. I think there are going to be players here for that. The fan base will like to get behind. Um, I think the front court is, is a question mark for me. I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts as well on, on how that's going to shake out, but um, I do like the back court. That's for sure. No, I would, I would tend to agree with you. The, the front court back court, it's going to be night and day difference. I think this upcoming year, you're going to see growing pains and I think for Nebraska, they have a very favorable non-conference with the exception of Creighton, of course. And in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, they have Auburn, uh, which is always, you know, a tough team to play. You know, Bruce Pearl, you can talk about him all you want, negative, positive, but he produces good teams. You know, he, he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. So, but outside of that, it, it's a very favorable schedule. Uh, in fact, one of their toughest games is probably going to be in the exhibition against Colorado next week. And that's not even going to count, but it'll give you an idea because Colorado's turned into a very good team, especially in the Pac-12 over the past 10 years or so. And yeah. I think that'll be a nice, a nice, game for the Huskers to kind of get an idea of kind of where they're at talent wise. Um, Cause the last thing you want is, you know, three, four five games in the non-con against a bunch of cupcakes. And you know, the, the team itself doesn't know where it really stands. And then you go into Creighton, you know, one of the last games of the non-conference and you get the absolute, you know, tar beaten out of you by one of the top big East schools, you know, you don't want that. You, you want, you, you want a game yeah. or two before, you know, for them to kind of get an idea. And I think you're correct. It'll be a fun team. Um, there's going to be a lot of shooting. <laughs> Hopefully unlike last year, most of those buckets will go in. Uh, I think Nebraska <laughs> for once, I think for Nebraska for once actually has the shooters to do it. And it's been a long, long time since we've had a team that could do that because defensively they can play. And they've proven that with Doc Sadler as an assistant there again. But defense yeah. can only win you so much in the grand scheme of things if you don't have those shooters, you know, cranking the threes as, as Fred likes to have. 
And that's what I was going to say, too. I mean, Nebraska, they've been pretty solid under Hoiberg defensively. It's just they don't have the guys that can score, um, you know, game in and game out. So if if they have a couple guys that can light it up from three or create their own shot and they can maintain that defense, which is a, a tough ask, particularly from uh, young guards, uh, that's <laughs> defense and, and young players don't doesn't always go together great. We'll see. Um, but they, they could be a real feisty team. Um, and like we were saying, I, you know, I, I was just looking at the schedule here while you're, while you're chatting about it. And um, it, it's remarkable how much different and more manageable it looks than last year, where it's like, you look at it and you're like, Oh my gosh, just murderers row of, of teams. And uh, this year you have, you have games sprinkled in where, you know, you're going to get um, Rutgers on the road, which projects as a weaker Rutgers team than last mm-hmm. year. You're going to get Northwestern at home. That's a winnable game. Minnesota at home. That's a winnable and, game. And it's a very I, front I really... loaded conference schedule. I mean, look at that. I mean, mm-hmm, the last mm-hmm. 10 games they have, if Nebraska is a middle of the road, big 10 team this year, which they very well could be, they could yeah. go 10 and 0. Let me look at those teams. I mean, it's a lot of teams that are either rebuilding or they've got a new coach. I mean, it, it, it you know, all, all the tough games are December, January, and February. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a lot winnable. I don't know if I will go as far as to know, but I think, <laughs> I, I think these are, <laughs> I think most of these are, are, are winnable. And, and the big thing for Nebraska, like you were saying is um, to me, almost a little bit of a, a similar outlook um, if you look at last year's Northwestern team, didn't end up being a great team. Um, and the reason why, though, is they got off to a great start. They upset Michigan State. They upset Ohio State. And then they had this skid where they lost 13 straight. And I bring that up not to be depressing, but um, if Nebraska can survive that gut punch of, of those that streak you were mentioning where they're going to get Ohio State, they're going to get Illinois, they're going to get Purdue on the road, Ohio State on the road. That's going to be a really, really tough straight. But if they can survive it, maybe pull off an upset or two along the way, yeah, then they get this manageable closing slate where they can build some real, real momentum into the postseason. And, you know, just looking at, at the schedule, like I was I was saying, um, to me, a, a real circle the wagons type of game here is early December, Nebraska gets Michigan at home. Um Michigan is going to be breaking in a lot of new players early on. To me, that strikes me as like a potential upset. You know, the Big Ten added these two early December games. I know there's a lot of debate about whether that's good or bad, but um, how many years they've been doing that now? I think it's been like three. So they expanded. They used to only play eighteen. Yeah, they used to only play eighteen conference games, and then they added two more because when they added Rutgers and Maryland, things were getting like really, really unbalanced. Mm-hmm. Um, where like, I think, I think it was one year, it was either Maryland or Michigan state. They had like a losing record against the top teams, but they won the big 10 because they had like, they played Rutgers twice and, you know, some, some of the real weak teams that it year. wasn't fair. Uh, yeah. So I, I, yeah, a lot of grumbling. And so they expanded it to 20, um, which, is good or good and bad. I don't know. I, I have mixed views on the whole thing, but um, but yeah, they added the two in early December, so you get this weird conference block. 
then you return to non-conference and then you go back into to conference play. But to me, yeah, you, you mentioned they're going to get NC State December 1st on the road. That's going to be a tough game. Indiana on the road, and then they get that Michigan game. You pull off an upset there. I mean, that's wind in the sails for a while. And, and as we all know, I mean, anybody can be upset on a given night, you know, no matter – uh, who it is. So especially in the big 10. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be a battle and, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see who Michigan gets before that. Cause I know they have a couple road, a road trips early in the season. So maybe they will be, uh, well, they get, yeah. So they, they get, they've traveled to North Carolina and they play San Diego state right before that. So that could be a trap game for Michigan, huh. um, you know, looking ahead. So that, that could be an interesting one for Nebraska. I'd agree. I'd agree. Well, Thomas, we have run out of time. Is there anything else you want to say before we're done? Uh, the only thing I wanted to mention is, you know, I, I recently went to uh, got a chance to go to Lincoln to check it out. Great town. And I have to thank you guys. You, your followers gave me a number of recommendations for bars and, and restaurants and goodies. And I, I appreciated it. Had a great time. Um, and uh, yeah, excited to see what Nebraska can do this year. Good. All right. Before we go, how can uh, how can our followers uh, find you and follow you? So you can follow me on Twitter at tbendit t b e i n d i t, or you can just check out btpowerhouse.com. We got all of our season preview coverage coming out. We're also doing a top twenty-five player countdown in the Big Ten. I think we just broke into the top ten this week. Um, so a lot of content will be a lot more obviously as we get to the season. Perfect. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks for having me.